Welcome to the Cold Steel Surgical Podcast with your hosts, Amir Farouk and Chad Ball. Well, Amir, this is a real special episode. It's it's a, it's our 100th, and I, I can't believe we're here. Kind of crazy, eh? It is wild. I, I was thinking back to the to, to the genesis on this on this special issue of the of the podcast in general, and obviously, uh, you know, I think our goals together were to try and get at more than academic and and even clinical medicine with with all these surgeons that we've had the privilege of interviewing, talking about personal life and goals and maybe even methodologies for achieving better lives. What, what, what do you think was the initial genesis? Well, we originally thought of this on that call shift, how many months or year, almost years ago now. In my mind, I had really thought of this as being very much a didactic, content-driven type podcast. I thought, you know, we will highlight the articles from the Canadian Journal of Surgery. We will highlight different things, CME-type topics, resident-type topics, pick the things that I think aren't explained well and really have it very surgically driven, very content uh, oriented, uh, that type of thing. But I really like the way that uh, the podcast has evolved. I really have enjoyed so many of the things that our guests have talked about that have nothing to do, I shouldn't say nothing to do because arguably a lot of the, a lot of the mastery type things like Dan Van Huren talks about uh, in basketball really apply to, to surgery. But uh, I just have really enjoyed the way that the podcast has gone. And I, I've uh, learned so much from all the different forays and, and different things that we've gone into. I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, the, the genesis of the podcast is, is one thing, but the voyage is, is really another. And I think, you know, a lot of us listen to a lot of different podcasts and, and come and go from those, those particular shows over the months and over the years. But I think you'd probably agree, hey, that when you listen to a podcast in a serial sort of longer way, you see and you hear, I guess, more more uh, um, accurately, the guests change. And and the amount, uh, as you said, that I've learned personally from all of these amazing guests we've had is, it's really incredible. It's it's an education like, like no other, right? Eh? It's funny how many uh, of their guests I found had similar outlooks on life or similar principles in the way that they were driven, like, you know, listening to the episodes again for the, our hundredth episode, you really start to see some commonalities. And, and I, for me, one of the big things that I felt like I took away from listening to all these episodes again was just the love of the craft, regardless of whether it was a surgeon that we interviewed or, uh, or Shane DiNapoli or whoever it was, you know, people who love their craft that shines through and it uh, is infectious and it just permeates everything that they touch. I think that's well said. You know, it's also interesting to me that despite some of those common threads and, and similar themes, I think we all individually pull or highlight different things from each conversation and each guest. What I, you know, think of as significant going forward and what rolls around in my mind may be something very different than you, for example, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that that was that's one of the neat things of having worked on this with you is what you and I take away from each episode and uh, what we really sometimes get highlighted from each episode can be very different. I think it's important to, to highlight the, the guests themselves, you know, or the, you know, not only their insight and their skill, but more importantly, their generosity. And I, I'm sure our listeners probably know this, but, you know, we don't we don't pay these guests uh this is a nonprofit uh, operation here with really no funding. And, 
and uh, they do it out of the generosity of their heart. And you know, as usual, as you know, the busiest people are usually the easiest to schedule and the, and the most keen to come on, um, true, true to regular life as well. But really, the the guests and the and the talent are what obviously drives the show, and and that we've been so lucky to have. Yeah, and it, what again, a lot of listeners may not know is that sometimes our guests are getting up at ungodly hours of the day or the night to come and join us simply because they just love what they're doing and they're they're so generous with, your, with their time as you said dr Wall. i want to talk just briefly about the future of the podcast and where we're going so obviously we have a, an incredible list of new guests coming up but also some new formats uh, i think one of the things that we'll try is some conference-based episodes um, with different styles so you know we're looking for feedback on that as we go forward and really going global um, also master classes and, and, uh, and some softer topics as well. Eh? Yeah. I'm hoping that we can really continue to expand on some of the content that we have so far, uh, hopefully some more, more mock orals. Cause I think people found that helpful and, uh, yeah, just continue to build, build out the, the episodes. Well, that's awesome. I, I can't imagine a better, uh, partner and person to be on this voyage with. So you're the heart of it. And, uh, I look forward to the next year with you. The pleasure has been all mine. Well, I can't believe we're at 100 uh, episodes, Amir. I don't think either of us probably thought we would get here. We're so excited to present this 100th episode to, to the listeners. And what we've tried to do is create a compilation uh, that surrounds really the question that you or I ask at the, at the end of the podcast typically, which is, if you could go back as the guest to a younger version of yourself, what would you wish you had known or what advice would you give yourself? And we really have to give credit to one of our newest uh, members on the Cold Steel team, and that's Tyler Daniels. Tyler, Tyler Daniels is a student at Mount Royal University, and he, he himself has an, an interesting backstory, which hopefully we'll get him to tell on, this, on the podcast one of these days. But Tyler Daniels is uh, in the media stream at uh, Mount Royal University and has uh, put together this uh, 100th episode uh, mix so to speak so sit back and enjoy our 100th episode of cold steel our, our unique perspectives and 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 passions and background are, are actually the source of our success as surgeons and teachers and researchers and so whatever it is that that you know, motivates you and inspires you, it's important, I think, to bring it forward into the discipline and, and, to, and in so doing to, to move our discipline forward. Um, so, for example, one of, my, one of my colleagues told me that she wanted to work on climate change or uh, another told me that she wanted to, to mentor high school students to pursue careers in science and medicine. Um, so the possibilities are, just by those two examples, they're, they're endless. And I think it's as I said before, it's, it's our duty to ensure that um, that we all pursue these possibilities and, and support each other to, to reach our full potential. Uh, uh, a great lesson for all of us, that if you have interests outside of medicine, you shouldn't be shy about pursuing them. Um, and all, I mean, not that everyone needs to be creative to be a great surgeon. I actually don't, I disagree with that uh, conclusion sometimes that people make from his example. There's many surgeons who just did surgery but did it amazing. Uh, I just don't think that you need to leave your life outside of medicine uh, at home uh, when you embark on, on, on this like journey of becoming a surgeon. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And sometimes when, when one of those aspects of your life is, a little slow, the other the other picks it up and, and, and 
keeps you moving and back yeah and forth. i think i think that's a great great point and I, I i don't know what the evidence for that is but i, I think to def- definitely like if you have a hobby or an interest outside of medicine not even a hobby like another another you know side gig or side hustle but sometimes when that's going well it, it helps you know helps your your day job or your joke job I think it's important to relish in your successes because there's plenty of those. Most of us have lots of good outcomes. And I mean, I might sound old, but it goes really, I'm not finished yet, but it goes by in a flash. So I think, you know, like Ferris Bueller said, life moves pretty fast sometimes. You better stop and look around once in a while or you'll miss it. And the second, you said not to talk about mentors, but I think it's really important to recognize that I wouldn't be where I am without people like Chad who have helped me along the way. Find people who love what you love, and they will be so thrilled to capitalize on your enthusiasm for it and help you along the way. Even if Chad's not writing the papers for me, the fact that he supports my ideas and I can bounce things off of him or... He can give me advice, has helped me more than probably anything else in my career. So working with people who are like-minded, who have the same vision and same goals that you do, will make work not only fun, but so much easier. When there's an opportunity to learn, grab it. When there's an opportunity for research, grab it, even if it doesn't, doesn't fit. But if it's, you know, that's your... You can work on a passionate project now when it doesn't really fit into your life versus wait until you three months for the block when you've lost that opportunity. Um, be an opportunist in killing three birds with one stone. Um, that you, you know, combining your your passions and and working, and I think working with people who you click with, that click with you, that empower you, even if they're in another continent, you know, may is in this day and age where we uh, really, we, we text the people in the office next to us anyways, that to don't let geography hold you back. Probably the most important thing to me is finding the things that, uh, that you're interested in, that you're, uh, truly want to do and uh, do them to the best of your ability and um, I think people appreciate it as as you know more senior surgeons uh, go along it, it's it's um, I, I think it's I think it's you know certainly in my mind I think it's it's our duty to be able to mentor uh, younger colleagues and again whether we do this formally informally um, it, it, it's debatable but I, uh, that's what I would look for. That's a good question, and we all often, often get that question, um, especially in, for example, uh, uh, in full sessions for Red Cross or MSF. But what I would tell general surgery trainees, I think what the number one, number one, number one thing they should focus on is the excellent surgeons. And that's, I can't say that enough, and I try to tell all my trainees that every day, is that you know, at the end of the day, what you want to do is do a really good job at what you do and be excellent at what you do. No matter how you're going to turn this around, like it doesn't matter where you work or how many people you're going to touch or, you know, how many papers you publish, you really have to be good at what you do. And otherwise you really not will not have a good uh, impact. So, so I think surgical training is extremely difficult. It's, and it's not that long when you think about it, it's only five years. So I would really tell them to, uh, 
try to really focus on that aspect of it and make sure that when they finish, they can actually um, be the best that they can be. And of course, you grow, you keep learning, you learn every day. But I think this is a privileged moment for you to to develop those skills uh, while being supervised by excellent surgeons. And that's a huge opportunity not to be wasted on on being distracted with other things. So that being said, I think it's also important to try to learn about global surgery in general and mostly global health and how, how that world works. And to me, that was very difficult because I did it later. I did a master's after I finished my training and, and to learn about the intricacies of global health, which is still very complex to me. But I think trying to get a sense of like what's out there, how humanitarian work, uh, functions, uh, the WHO and all those UN organizations, I think is important because if you're going to do meaningful work in that domain, you need to understand the intricacies of that completely different world that we're never exposed to. In terms of deployments, like during residency, I did nothing. I just really focused on my training 100%. Like, as I said, I really just wanted to be a good surgeon. Um, so I, I didn't go anywhere. And I wouldn't think it's that important nor very useful to actually do deployments when you're a resident because you're really you're not the best surgeon that you can be at that point. So I think you really have to focus primarily on that. But getting to know things about global health, like I said, and like just trying to uh, build up on your knowledge. If you could go back in time and, and give yourself advice, perhaps as, a, as an early attending, having gone through what you've gone through now, what would the advice be to yourself as, as an, maybe an early attending? You know, it's the it's it's the advice I give. Um, I think, you know, you know, at, at heart we are all surgeons. You know, we, you know, we we went through surgical residencies and we are surgeons. Uh, tackle the tough cases. You know, don't avoid anything. You know, you start once you start to avoid cases. Uh, what happens is, you know, before you know it, you're afraid to do a hernia or an appy. Um, so get embroiled, take on tough cases, use your partners, uh, take advice from them and balance your life. You know, maintain some kind of balance in your life, take care of yourself, take care of your family, uh, develop balance and, and pick an environment to work in where you feel part of a family that is a very healthy environment, supportive, uh, will help you through those tough cases and help you achieve your career goals, regardless of what those are. So make sure you're, if you want to do research, make sure in an environment that supports it. But, but do not shy away from the tough cases. Take them on, get busy, get your hands working. Those, those first few years out of training play a big role on who you're going to be. And if you're not really, you know, embroiled in surgery, then it's possible that you'll shy away from it in the future and you'll lose your identity as a surgeon. Make sure every year you do one new thing. And he's like, it doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be surgical. You know, it doesn't need to be like picking up a new surgical technique or something, but he's like, do one new thing every year. And, uh, and that will, again, sustain you and keep you from getting bored and man i have really conscientiously tried to do that um and i would say that out of almost anything has really um has really kept things interesting for me and so um one new thing every year would be uh be collaborative 
be confident enough to listen to others, be thoughtful enough to be introspective and, and wonder if maybe they're right and, and you know you don't have all the answers. And finally, just because something works in the short term doesn't mean it's a good idea in the long term. So uh, take your time before you think you, you figured it all out. Because I, I certainly like, as I mentioned in the beginning, I like to live my life on extremes and I like to be definitive uh, about everything I do. And one of the things that kind of doing higher quality research and having the courage to ask some of these questions and answer them with answers that I was not anticipating is kind of coping with that and, and, and understanding that it really is a good thing, but it takes kind of confidence to be able to be collaborative and be open-minded in that. You know, I've thought about this question because I've heard you ask it to several of your uh, your previous uh, participants, and you know, I would tell myself uh, to to do uh, exactly uh, what I wanted to do, to be passionate about the the topics. You know, I I although I I did at one point think I could do research, I realized that it really wasn't my um, my bailiwick and that you know my area of expertise any contributions i was going to make were going to be in in the area of bioethics or some of my you know uh, other you know talks that you guys have alluded to today um, and so i would say um, i would probably pursue even more my uh, be true to yourself or myself and, and pursue those areas always to be true to yourself uh, uh, i know it sounds very cliche but um, occasionally you'll see uh, residents um, focusing on a specialty um, and I think that they like the people that are in that specialty but they may not um, or it it appears that they may not really really be passionate about that uh, area so uh, to just be uh, cognizant uh, of that so residents should always be uh, really focused on uh, what they enjoy on a day-to-day -day, uh, basis, whatever that may be. And that could be very bread-and-butter general surgery and or rural surgery. Uh, it could be uh, on the critical care side. It could be breast, whatever it is, uh, to, to ask yourself, do I really enjoy this? And I really want to um, and, I, and I, th I think residents, if they focus on an area that they really uh, find easy or enjoyable, uh, to, to capitalize on that. You don't have to be um, anything in particular. Anyone at any stage, uh, it was a, uh, a line that the great John Tarpley uh, still probably says is get in the habit of having good habits, uh, which means, uh, you know, whether it's kind of... Uh, you know, a, a stitch. Uh, you always, you know, drive your finger down to secure the knot uh, flat and, and do everything rather than uh, get in the bad habit of doing it when it's maybe not as important. Because if you don't have that uh, tendency to have good habits, uh, when it is important, you may you may make a mistake. And I guess the other thing would be that um, a lot of people talk about work-life balance, and I have decided that that doesn't exist for me, first of all, I don't think that balance is achievable. Balance would suggest that you have some equity between those things. And the other thing is it suggests that life, that work is not part of your life when, as most of us as surgeons, our work is a huge part of our life. It's, it's part of our identity uh, for many people. And that's not to say that we aren't anything else, but it is a huge part of who I am and what makes me me. 
And, um, and that's, I think that's okay. Uh, so I prefer to say there's work home harmony. And uh, sometimes that harmony is completely off and my kids really will make sure I know it when it is. What we've seen in the last 30 years is a fundamental change uh, to, uh, to the way we teach surgery. Um, and so with that fundamental change, what we've tried to do in the last 20 years to react is skirt around the edges as opposed to really cut to the center of what uh, the problem is. And to me, at that very core, is making the, making the most of every last training moment uh, and making sure that we make every single moment the very best we can uh, and making sure that our, our trainees are accomplishing uh, the goals that we set out for them, uh, which involves uh, um, much more uh, comprehensive assessment. So I'm confident that the next generations of surgeons, like we have only one dream, right? You, you do, Chad, I do, uh, and that's that the next generation of surgeons can't be just as good as you are. Uh, they can't. If they're just as good as you are, we'll have failed. In fact, this COVID thing has really made me realize how much of a village my, my world has and how I'm missing my village so much these days because um, we've been so blessed with that with having so many people in our lives that help out. And then as far as societies are concerned, um, you know, I'm kind of, um, uh, you know, I uh, don't want to be uh, too much of uh, self-serving here, but I would have to say, you know, one would be the Association for Academic Surgery, especially for young people, that um, um, society is specifically um, focused on young surgeons and there's lots of uh, opportunity for young surgeons to get involved and quickly uh, move into leadership positions um, in the uh, AAS. And one of the other benefits of the AAS is it is discipline um, uh, agnostic or very ecumenical. So um, it is a great way to get to know people in other disciplines. And then as your career matures and their career matures, you have a wide network of individuals in surgery writ large beyond HPV. I would also recommend that you get involved in the HPBA. The HPBA is the premier HPV surgical association um, in uh, Canada, North America, Central America, and South America, and has a number of rich opportunities with regards to mentorship, um, leadership, and the ability to present your work, um, get to know people, create collaborations, and really advance your career. I did learn to go up to people at meetings and say, you know, I really admire your work and I just have a few questions. And by doing that, you know, I got to meet some really great people from all over the world and I got some really great advice. And then they knew my name and that I was interested in their field. So I would not be bashful. I've, I've told people, I tell fellows this all the time, they never mm -hmm. listen. But if you see Gene Moore at a meeting and, and you have some issue or, you know, academic or career-wise or whatever, he can find the time. You just have to approach a person like that appropriately and say what I said. I met Leon Pachter at New York University on a tennis court. I went up to him and I said, I have read wow. all your papers. And I said, I just love them. And he is now, you know, all these years later, it's 38 years later, we're close friends. And, and that kind of contact really helps you. So 
A big one is branch out, make good contacts in your field. It'll be mutually beneficial over time. Well, that's a good question. I think to have this sort of practice, you do have it's be hard to live in an academic center. So I think first you'd have to want to live in an area in either the north and more remotely in the south. And then I would just follow your passions. You have to really enjoy what you're doing. Get as broad-based in education as you can. And even if you don't have rotations, like I'm not sure they do plastics rotations or neurosurgery rotations or orthopedic rotations, or general internal medicine, which were all invaluable to me, invaluable to me, and I use many of them daily, if not weekly. Um, you can ask questions. You can be interested. You can poke your head into a case and see what's going on, and it'll build from there. And if you're interested, there certainly are ways of designing your practice to get continuing medical education. I think before you returned, Chad, I took a month, and I I hadn't operated on a liver trauma for a long time, so I just hung out in Calgary and scrubbed on hepatobiliary cases for a month, a few years back. And just little things like you can that to perk up your uh, experience and skill set is invaluable. So I think if you're interested in what you're doing and you want to live in a smaller area, then uh, I'm, I'm sure it can still be done. It's been to come to something at the end of that paper or the end of the project or the presentation you give, you got got to come to something that offers a path forward. And the one thing I always say to my scholars is, you know, have the next paper in mind when you're writing your current paper. And if you're really good, you're going to foreshadow what that next paper, what, what the moves will be in that next paper in, uh, you know, sort of your the discussion and conclusion uh, area. And uh, sort of it's like a chess game. You're always looking ahead. Be ahead of uh, the rest of the field. Um, and if you are, you will get published. Good trainers, like to, to, to ask around and really do your due diligence to find out a place you want to train, and then I would go all in. Um, I think that by committing yourself to the undertaking of surgery com- with your heart, you can come out of it with a wonderful career. You know, I, I, I love my job. Um, and I think part of that is because I really took all the opportunities that came my way and may have created a few for myself, but most of it was just working hard and enjoying it. Um, and I, I think that that's what, what makes it a great job. Like, you know, surgery, when you ask surgeons about their quality of life, even into later in the years of practice, they love it. Um, you know, when I think of myself and my CPAC job, you know, I still am a, I'm a surgeon four days a week and I've looked at other opportunities and I sit back and I go, I love being a surgeon. I, I, you know, it's the best job ever. Um, and so I think by being a surgeon and getting that good training and sort of um, savoring the the experience of it is wonderful. It, it's, it's, you know, I'm a third generation thoracic surgeon. When I read my grandfather's operative reports from 1945, you know, I can I can sense his his joy, his you know terror in doing, you know, that first pneumonectomy, you know, you can read through his operative report and go and try to think back to doing a a pneumonectomy when no one knew how to do a pneumonectomy. And we all, you know, to doing an MIS coli when no one's done an MIS coli or you haven't done one before. It's a great job with lots of challenges and rewards and and sorrow, but it's, um, you know, my recommendation would be enjoy it because it, it, it is fleeting.
I think if, you know, the take-home lesson for residency for me, um, if someone could have articulated perhaps a bit better, was that uh, the exam at the end is only the beginning. Um, so, if, you know, don't put too much pressure uh, on yourself for the exam. I mean, of course, you want to pass, but um, really the true education begins after you start. Um, because there is a whole other series of pressures and uh, concerns when when it is uh, your patient, your practice, um, that um, that isn't captured by any sort of examination process. Um, and I think the shock of that, uh, for me, a little bit, and I think it's probably true for all surgeons, if you're being honest, um, was, a, was a little bit more than I would have been would have thought. Um, so that would be one thing. The other thing I would say is, is again, it's, it, it's the same theme, but it's just the start and you can do all kinds of incredible things once you, once you're finished, I think you feel like you're in a silo, you're so concentrated on, on the subspecialty or the specialty, but medicine has incredible opportunities beyond the walls of the hospital. Uh, and just, you just got to keep your eyes open and keep looking for them, um, whether it's, you know, being involved in global medicine or your local community or uh, giving back. And I think the one thing that I didn't do early in my career, but I'm certainly um, doing more and more as I, as I quote mature, and that is I, I go out of my way to try to learn one thing every day from a patient. And it's, and I'm not talking always about uh, some new diagnosis or something in medicine, but to spend the time and get to, you know, find out a little bit about them and learn something new every day. They really should be active in, you know, trying to find something that really turns them on. But within medicine, you have to have a turnoff switch and then you have to have something that really turns you on outside medicine. Now, I'm convinced that everybody needs a family around them, and that's that's a given. But you need something other than your family and other than your clinical medicine side because it's just good for you. It's it's healthy, and um, that combined with fitness. God, don't forget your fitness. That when you combine all those things, you've got your family, your fitness, your work, and your special things. You've really got a full life then. One of the pieces of advice that my mentors gave me that really changed my perspective and, and made me a better doctor and surgeon and person was not to get too high on the highs and not to get too low on the lows. I think I'd tell myself just to be kinder to myself. Um, I think the second part I would tell myself is um, it's okay to take risk um, and that um, a lot of these ideas I had even younger than now, and I sort of was shy about developing them because I thought it was too risky or like, who's ever gonna get excited about that or who's gonna care about those ideas? Uh, well, it turns out a lot of people care about those ideas and part of me was like, well, maybe I should have developed that sooner. And so I think being kind to yourself and taking some more risk. A strong sense of what our meaning and purpose is and what our connection is to that meaning and purpose through the work that we do is one of the things that gives us immunity from burnout and one of the things that continues to make our work feel more like a calling than a job. Ah, oh, I'd say, girl, you're enough. Uh, keep shining bright. Keep showing up. 
because I used to have a hard time showing up. Just like show up, that's where the magic happens. Um, I have found that in my life so much, like so much magic has happened for me in the last couple of years because I've just shown up. I've just invited myself to the table. And then once you're there, people just assume you're supposed to be there. <laughs> and and I, I, wish I, I wish I knew that when I was younger, I was always just so, anxious, didn't want to step on toes, felt shy, and you just got to push through it, you know? So I would, I think that's what I'd say. And then uh, there used to be a lot of angst around me in residency wearing glitter eyeshadow, which I never stopped wearing. You've been listening to Cold Steel, the official podcast of the Canadian Journal of Surgery. This podcast was edited and produced by Tyler Daniels. If you like what you've heard, please leave us a review on iTunes. We love to hear your thoughts, comments, and feedback. So send us an email at podcast.cjs at gmail.com or tweet at us at CanJSurge. Thanks again.